I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a uh, a lovely Sunday afternoon here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I am. And uh, another win for this Iowa basketball team. A bit nail-biting towards the end. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go back, watch the first 30 minutes, and then just kind of turn it off and uh, be content with the 10-point win at Minnesota. A road win in the Big Ten, a second Big Ten win in a row, three of the last four, and uh, the team is trending the right direction for the most part um, after a, a nice win here today. This is a, an important stretch for this team and um, you know th- these four games kind of in between that Wisconsin loss you had that seven day break and then these four games before uh, you get Purdue at home you felt like you really needed to go at least three and one in these four games and get back to um, you know about 500 in conference play. They, they are there now, three and three in the Big Ten, uh, and you feel pretty good about games at Rutgers and then home against Penn State uh, a week from yesterday. And that game still doesn't have a, a tip time, as far as I know. So uh, it'd be interesting to see that. But uh, a nice a nice win today and and good effort to see the energy and the effort uh, defensively and on the boards carry over from the second half against Indiana, uh, where that's really what propelled Iowa to that nine-point win uh, in Carver-Hawkeye Arena after a tough first half. Uh, to see that carry over was was really good. It didn't always last. <laughs> that last 10-minute uh, stretch was tough at times, but um, we'll try to stay optimistic and, and look at the good things here. It, it was a nice win. Keegan Murray had 25 points. He he played really well. Philip Robracha had a very good game. Certainly a really good first half. He ended up being 12 and 12 uh, for a double double for him. Keegan also had a double double, 25 and 10, uh, were his numbers along with a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. Robracha also had uh, what three steals, two blocks, and assist. Uh, so those guys really filled up the uh, the stat sheet, and that was good to see. Jordan Bohannon finished with 12 points. He's the third leading scorer. Uh, Four free throws down the stretch were, were really big, but just three of 11 from shooting from Jordan. And, and I want to have a little longer conversation about him. Uh, I'm sure it's a conversation that a lot of you are having or have had, and, and we will all continue to have as this season progresses. Patrick McCaffrey, 10 points, but again, three of 10 for shooting, two of five from the three-point line. Um, not Not a great day for him, but 10 points. Eight points for Joe Toussaint, uh, seven assists, for Joe T, um, three turnovers. And that's your starting lineup. Uh, off the bench, you had Chris Murray with five, Tony Perkins with five, Peyton Sanford with a, a, a nice two two points there, and then some good minutes for him as Connor McCaffrey was out with a, a bad back. Aaron Eulis did play but didn't score, had a couple of rebounds, three assists, and looked good out there at times, but uh, did not score at all. Uh, a nice game. Again, it was a shorthanded Minnesota team. They only had eight scholarship players, uh, a couple of coaches out with COVID protocol. But, uh, you know, you go on the road and a win is a win and you feel good about it. You, you take these 
you take these games when you can get them. Let's look at the team stats here quickly. And this podcast is going to be a little longer than um, a normal instant reaction because I want to get into some of the other things happening in, in Hawkeye sports as well, not just this basketball game or, or even this basketball season. Uh, clearly some news, uh, <laughs> both good and Maybe all, I don't know, it depends how you look at things, what your perspective is, but some Kirk Ferentz news and some other things to talk about uh, as well with the football program, and we'll certainly do that. But let's stick with this basketball game here, an 81-71 win over Minnesota for the Hawkeyes. Uh, shot just 48% from the field. Minnesota shot just over 50%. Iowa 5 of 22 from behind the arc. That was not great, and there were a couple of real questionable looks down the stretch. I mean, Iowa had so many points in the paint in the first 30 minutes of this game and Keegan Murray was playing so well. Philip Robracha was playing so well. And then when it got down to crunch time and Minnesota started hitting some shots and, uh, Iowa settled way too often for bad three-pointers, specifically Bohannon and and Patrick McCaffrey. The ball stopped moving, as they talked about on the broadcast. They stopped getting it down low, and that was tough. But Keegan Murray has a little bit of that Luca Garza quality where, you know, for so long with Luca Garza, anytime I would needed a basket to stop a run, to settle things down, to shut the crowd up, whatever it was, you could pretty consistently go to Luca Garza, get it to him down low, and he would find a way to score. You saw Keegan Murray do that a couple of times in this game. One just like that down low to stop a run, but then the big three followed up with a block shot. Um, Keegan Murray is, he is that guy uh, on this team, and that, that's been a lot of fun to watch. But Iowa, not a great game from behind the arc. 10 of 16 from free throws, in free throws as well, and that that's that's bad. You can't do that. Free throws matter. You miss the front end of a one-on-one. Robracha misses two free throws down the stretch. You know, against a shorthanded Minnesota team, you can survive that. But in some of these games, if, if these are close Big Ten games, and I was going to need to win some of these games that they're probably not favored to win, uh, you're going to need to shoot better from free throw. Uh, from the free throw line. Rebounds is is where it's great. 40 to 31, Iowa out-rebounded Minnesota. Uh, 15 offensive rebounds for the Hawkeyes. Th- those are really good numbers. If Minnesota isn't shorthanded, those numbers probably aren't quite that lopsided. But you play the team that's on the floor. And uh, again, after, after being out-rebounded again by 20 by Wisconsin, you know, a week and a half ago, I don't know if it was exactly whatever, whatever that number was. It wasn't, um, and that's that's been consistently where Iowa's been about twenty rebounds below the better teams in this league. You can't win games like that, and so you hoped to see a renewed focus on that after that week week off that week long break. And I'm not sure it's a scheme thing, and I I don't I I am not questioning the effort of these players, and I don't like to even get close to that because I think that's unfair but there is an aspect of rebounding that's effort and toughness and want to um, and you know some of it is scheme and the way Iowa wants to to run a transition game and, and get out early and get out fast but uh, part of it's also just getting up and you know having the fortitude to just go and get the ball we've heard Fran talk about that we've heard players talk about that and we've seen that now over the last certainly the last three halves um, that first half against Indiana wasn't great but 
we've seen a renewed focus on that and uh, and it's showing up in the in the win loss column as well. So I was going to have to continue to do that. That's going to be a struggle all season long. It's going to take a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of focus. Um, I imagine a lot of reminding from Fran McCaffrey that uh, this is an important part of the game because you know teams like Purdue and, and Illinois and you know the Wisconsin, the, the better rebounding teams in the Big Ten. You can't give up a 20 rebound disadvantage and and hope to win any of these games. So very good to see that. Happy to see that. Iowa had 18 assists to Minnesota's 12. 18 assists on 33 made baskets isn't quite where you'd like to see it. 10 steals, though, for the Hawkeyes. And that was a, a really big factor, certainly in the first half and, and early in the second half, was just the way Iowa was flocking to the ball, uh, the way they were getting in those passing lanes and, and causing steals that, that also turned into transition buckets, right? Steals that turn into offense, defense that turns into offense. That's what you like to see. And we saw a lot of that. Five blocks for the Hawkeyes, just eight turnovers. That's about where you want to see that number uh, as well. And Iowa was up by 23 at one point um, before, you know, watching it kind of all fall away, fall apart. And uh, luckily they were able to hold on again. Keegan had a couple of huge key plays there. Um, And it brought into into question I saw on social media and it's a again a topic that I think a lot of people have had have thought about have have seen um is Jordan Bohannon and kind of his value to this team especially down the stretch and especially on nights where he's not shooting the ball well and he hasn't been shooting the ball real well as of late and I've said many times uh, I'm on record and I, I stand by it. Jordan Bohannon is my favorite Hawkeye basketball player of my lifetime. Uh, I love watching him play. I love the way he carries himself on and off the court. Um, I was overjoyed when he decided to come back for another year this season, and I'm still glad that he did. I still think he's an asset to this team, uh, but he is not the offensive uh, force that Iowa has needed him to be at times and down the stretch you wonder if Joe Toussaint wouldn't be better off as as the point guard out there you wonder if there are times where Jordan Bohannon is getting too many minutes Um, if he's not shooting lights out from three what's his value to this team on the court that's a, a legitimate question he's not a great scorer from inside the three point line uh, he is not a great defender, and the one of the, the one one thing he really does well is free throws. And we saw it again today down the stretch when other guys were missing free throws, and Iowa really needed them. Jordan was making them, and when you need to get the ball to somebody, when you know they're going to foul, you get the ball to Jordan Bohannon. So you do need him in the in the game late for things like that, but. You just start to wonder, has this team, would they be better off at times if, if he wasn't in the game? If Tony Perkins got those minutes, if Aaron Uless got those minutes, if you saw Toussaint and Uless out there together. Um, and, and again, it's it's hard because I'm happy Jordan is there. And I think he uh, is a big asset to this team and is is going to be a reason why this team does what they ultimately do. But there are times where you kind of shake your head as, to why is he out there right now that's been a Fran McCaffrey thing his entire career at Iowa it's something that we've all been frustrated about is is his rotations his substitutions um 
some inconsistencies in lineups uh, in certain times of the game. You would think you would kind of have your set five guys for the final five minutes if it's a close game, and it just doesn't seem like Fran has that. Um, he he maybe at times uh, plays it too much by ear, um, you know, playing his feel more than kind of setting something ahead of time and saying, okay, these are the guys. He kind of plays the feel. Sometimes it works. Other times it doesn't. It can be pretty frustrating uh, at times. So Jordan didn't have a, a good game today. We will uh, we'll see how he does. We'll see, you know, kind of how, how his role on this team evolves throughout the next couple of months in this Big Ten season. A couple other basketball things to get to before uh, we move on to, to some other sports and some other things. Because it's been a while since I've done a podcast here, and I apologize for that. But they, they are going to become more frequent now, and I do want to do more of these uh, basketball instant reaction podcasts. I don't know if I'll do one every game, but I will certainly do more uh, now that we are kind of out of football, into basketball, into Big Ten, and, and can kind of see uh, how this season is, is shaping up. Chris Murray uh, and the game he had against Indiana was fantastic. His emergence as a, uh, a real threat, uh, a real player on this team has been a lot of fun to watch. I wonder how you can get him and Keegan on the floor together more often. I wonder how you can play with these lineups. And I just, you know, kind of said Fran plays with the lineups too much, but I'd like them to play with them a, a little bit with the both of those guys. That's been a lot of fun to watch. That, that's been very cool. And it also gives you that, that kind of uh, nice feeling of, Assuming that Keegan leaves this year to go to the NBA and he's a projected lottery pick, I think by all accounts, um, we all expect that to happen. Well, you've got his you know, genetic identical twin. Uh, the only difference is he shoots left-handed to, to kind of take those reins next season and, and be that guy next year. And maybe he has the type of, uh, of emergence that we've seen from Keegan this year. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Keegan Murray is the best player on the team. He might be the best player in the Big Ten. And he's might be the best player in the country the way he's playing right now. It's just a lot of fun. And the amount of his game that you see in Chris, and more than that, just like the, the way they both carry themselves. The, the amount of basketball IQ that they have, um, it's just it's a lot of fun to see. And, you know, obviously a huge credit to, to Kenyon Murray and, and his wife and their family for uh, raising a couple of young men. This the two of them. I'm not a recruiting expert enough to know, like, where this fits in the Fran McCaffrey recruiting wins category but it's got to be right up right up at the top right up near the top I mean you pull Luca Garza out of Washington DC and you help turn him into the country's best player for two pretty incredible Fran has gotten other guys um, who people didn't necessarily want Bohannon being one of them you know a guy who now is the all-time leader in games played and threes in the Big Ten, uh, your program's all-time leader in assists and all those other categories as well. Uh, he was not a real highly sought-after guy, but a guy that Fran saw. And, and the Murray twins, when they came out of high school and basically weren't recruited heavily, didn't have the offers that they, that they wanted and had to kind of go to a prep school, I remember when it was announced that they had, you know, agreed to, to scholarships with, with Iowa. And I, along with most of you, I'm guessing, and most of Hawkeye nation kind of sighed and thought, man, 
nobody else wants these guys. We're just taking them because they're legacies. We're using two scholarships on these dudes. Like what what is what is Fran doing? And turns out Fran knows what he's doing. Uh, his eye for talent is incredible. Uh, his ability to help develop players is unquestioned. His in-game coaching, that's that's an issue. Uh, there are some other issues. His defensive schemes and coaching, things like that. Um, as we just talked about, his rotations and substitution patterns and, and whatnot. But it's getting to the point where you can't even question Fran McCaffrey's recruiting, his eye for talent, uh, his ability to recruit these guys to this program, and then his ability to help develop these guys while they're here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and the Murray Twins is, again, may ultimately become his like greatest recruiting win. So got to give credit where credit is due uh, there. You really hope to see the, this this kind of renewed effort on defense and rebounding continue. You're going to need this. I really think Iowa now, uh, if you if you can win these next two games, which you know at Rutgers that's a uh, that's a, a, any any road game as we saw today uh, in a game that Iowa played a, a short hitted Minnesota team had a 23 point lead and kind of gave it up. Um, any road game is tough, but you've got a Rutgers team. You're going on the road. They're ten and six on the season, um, four and two, and just one at Maryland. But they just lost at Penn State. Uh, beat a Michigan team that we don't know much about. But they beat they beat Purdue early in the season. So this is a Rutgers team that um, is certainly dangerous. But it's a game that I think you know at least coming into this four game stretch, Iowa, according to Ken Palm, was looked look to be favored in that game. And then uh, so you you like Iowa's chances there, and then at home. You like their chances there as well. If Iowa can can win both of those, get to five and three in the Big Ten before you have Purdue, and then you've got Ohio State. You know, it just it gets a little tougher after that. There are a couple of other stretches though where Iowa can make some hay. So you really need to uh, to win the winnable games if you want to get back to the NCAA tournament. And of course, that's uh, that's Iowa's goal each and every year. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Some other quick things I want to talk about before we get to a, a football conversation. Uh, women's basketball, they play again uh, this evening, this afternoon, 5 o'clock tip uh, against per, uh, Nebraska, rather, home against Nebraska. And Megan Sinano has, has played great the last couple of games. Caitlin Clark, um, you know, maybe not all world level like we expect from her, but still playing very well. And, uh, and Iowa has won a couple of games now after, after really struggling a bit and not just on the court with losses to IUPUI and Northwestern, both home losses. Um, but just in getting a rhythm, you know, the, the COVID pauses both within their program and then, you know, causing some issues, with their scheduling from other programs, it's just been hard to get in any sort of a rhythm. And so, uh, they'll be okay. They'll be good come tournament time. I think they're, you know, they're safely going to make the tournament. And 
man, if they're a lower seed, that that's a dangerous, dangerous team that nobody's going to want to play come March. And so I think they're going to be just just fine. Uh, but it'd be interested to see how they do. They just beat Nebraska by nine at Nebraska last Sunday. So now they get the return trip here to Iowa City. So you got to like their chances there. Then they're at Minnesota before uh, hosting number six, Indiana, a week from today. So uh, they've been playing well. Again, I think they'll be just fine come March. And, you know, maybe it'll be one of those things where if they're a bit of an underdog, uh, they can be a, a really dangerous lower-seeded team, higher-seeded team, however however you want to say that, uh, come tournament time. A little bit about wrestling is, as the uh, the wrestlers are set to get underway on Big Ten Network here in, in just a little bit as well. Just a bummer about Spencer Lee. Uh, you totally understand it, but it just kind of sucks. Um, and you wonder now, what does that do to Iowa's chances to repeat as national champions? The Hawkins are ranked second now behind Penn State. That's going to be a battle but you still like Iowa's chances overall, and, and there's certainly Spencer Lee not being there doesn't come out of contention for a national championship. It's it's wild that this program is at a place and has been forever where that's the bar, and anything short of that is going to feel a little disappointing. Um, but that is it, it is what it is. And again, you hope Spencer Lee is able to kind of come through these surgeries and, and be better off and come back next year and win his fourth title and hopefully lead Iowa to a third straight national championship. But uh, I'll try to get Cody Goodwin on. I did this a couple of times last year, had Cody Goodwin come on and, you know, his uh, he's from the Des Moines Register and he's you know, the best wrestling reporter in the state, in my opinion, uh, his knowledge about these things. And, and more than that, his passion for it uh, just jumps off the microphone, off the page, wherever you're, you're getting Cody. So I'll try to get him on and, uh, and talk a little bit more in depth about wrestling because I've pretty much hit my, uh, my expertise limit on that right now. All right, Hawkeye football, a couple of things to talk about here. First of all, um, let's just talk about the, the guys who are, are leaving and the guys who are staying. Um, Tyler Linderbaum is leaving. Good for him. Uh, obviously, it, it was a very difficult decision. Obviously, he wanted to come back and play for Iowa, right? If, if he didn't want to, uh, he would have made a decision very quickly that, hey, I'm going to be a top 10 NFL pick. Uh, there's millions and millions of dollars and a lot more than that uh, waiting for me, and I'm going to go take that. The fact that he waited as long as he did, um, I don't think he was stringing along the fans. I don't think he was, you know, he's not the type of dude that's going to, make it all about himself or keep people in suspense just for, you know, some sort of entertainment value of it. He, he truly struggled with this decision and, and probably wanted to come back, especially when he saw some of the other guys coming back. And I'm sure the way that they're talking about why they're coming back and what's left on the table and what they haven't accomplished and what they hope to do next year. Um, I'm sure that he wants to be a part of that. And I have a feeling, you know, if I would does do some of those things a year from now, he will, there will be a part of him that looks back and says, man, I wish I'd been there for that, but you can never blame a dude for going to take an opportunity like this. Um, really, it's hard. It's it's harder. I, I feel like we've we've evolved as sports fans to the point where anybody who leaves early to go f- to the NFL, honestly, almost anybody who even leaves to like transfer, you you completely under and you wish them the best. Um, these dudes do a lot for the university and a lot for us as fans and don't get a lot back. Um, and so when they can go and in, in a career like football, your you know, your days are numbered. And so go get what you can while you can. And, uh, and good for Tyler Linderbaum for doing that. 
good on Sam Laporta, Jack Campbell, Charlie Jones, Riley Moss, and everybody else who's coming back who probably didn't need to. I think all four of those guys, um, Charlie Jones maybe not, but the other three guys uh, certainly could have been drafted and played in the NFL next season. But those, those guys are all coming back, and that's such a big thing. Such a big thing. Uh, Jack Campbell, I mean, is the the heart and soul of that defense to have Riley Moss then back behind him. And, uh, you know, what what's coming in as far as Xavier Wampa and some of the recruits, what is already there. I think this defense is, is poised to be just as good as they were this past season, just as good as they always are under Phil Parker. One of the best defenses in the Big Ten, one of the top defenses in the country. And uh, it's just it's awesome to see them kind of all come back and, and want to do this again. Charlie Jones has a lot to prove. He's proven uh, himself as a, a very good return man and uh, a a budding receiver. But if he comes back and is, is a key factor in Iowa's offense next year, that helps him quite a bit. Uh, will he be? I don't know. Sam Laporta will be, right? I mean, he's he, he was, I think, after the Citrus Bowl and the performance he put up there, there was a lot of question about, man, that was that was quite a uh, it's quite a tryout for NFL teams right there. It's quite an audition or, or a, an interview or, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, and I think he'd be drafted not just because of how good he is and what he's already proven, but the, the legacy of Iowa tight ends in the NFL. I mean, if you can get one of these guys, you want to get one of these guys. And so for him to come back is huge for this offense. Um, and and it really kind of makes things interesting as, as Iowa goes into an offseason where you need to have some acknowledgement that the offense needs to change. I don't believe that Brian Ferentz is going to be uh, – Is I do believe Brian Ferentz will be the offensive coordinator next year, right? And I do believe that um, – that the offense will look similar to it has to what it has always been. Kirk Ferentz under Kirk Ferentz. I'm I'm just I'm not convinced that I was going to make a drastic change offensively while Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. And so, how can you optimize this style of offense and just get it to mediocre? Right, just get it to average. If Iowa had an average offense. They are a dangerous team even without an average offense. Just think if they had an average offense. And so there's a part of me and I think all of you that's a little worried um, about this offense just kind of doing what it has always done again. And especially when you hear that Alex Padilla is going to come back. Um, And so you're kind of sitting with the same quarterback situation that you had coming into this season where Spencer Petras probably has the leg up. I mean, he started and played the bowl game. He seems to be the guy that Kirk and Brian, Ken O'Keefe, want to play at quarterback. And he just didn't make the leap that we hoped he would make in his first real full offseason as Iowa's quarterback. Will he make that leap this year? Maybe. Um, I feel like we've probably seen all we need to see from Spencer Petras to know what kind of a quarterback he is. Oh, and by the way, that's a pretty darn good quarterback. It's not great. It's far from perfect. Uh, it's not going to overwhelm you with stats, but he's won a lot more games than he's lost. And more often than not, when they've needed a play, he's been able to find a way to make it. Um, that hasn't always been the case. And again, I, like you, want a more dynamic offense. But with Petrus and Padilla and Joey Labus as kind of the, the three-headed monster at quarterback going into the offseason, um, you just wonder, are one of these guys going to be able to really take that step 
and put themselves over the other two. I don't think it'll be Spencer Petras. And so does Padilla make that, that leap? Um, he talked about in the bull prep that it, hey, it takes a while, a year and a half to learn this offense and really feel comfortable with it. Maybe he's hit that part now and he can go to this off season. He obviously feels comfortable that he can come and, and win this job. And so maybe he's able to do that. Having Sam Laporta back will certainly help. Um, you know, not having Linderman bomb back certainly hurts. Um, but I think if you're worried that Iowa's offense is not going to make strides this offseason, legitimate worry. And I, I think you're not alone in worrying that. Um, it's it's disappointing for sure. Uh, but and, and it's hard because I think we're all in this space where, hey, that, that was a 10 win season. Right. And a lot of fun. Um, but you wonder if you've hit the ceiling when it comes to playing really good teams. Now you also look at what Georgia and Alabama did to other teams and to each other, and you say, well, nobody's at that level. So it's hard to expect Iowa to be at that level, but Iowa should be at a level where they don't get blown out of a Big Ten championship game. Now some of that was a little fluky, but they, they should they should be able to compete with every team in the Big Ten, and uh, offensively they're just not there right now. So it's going to be interesting to hear how Kirk and Brian and, and company – address this I think there needs to be some acknowledgement of hey we we get that this isn't good that this isn't right we don't like this either we understand that changes need to be made and and we're going to try to implement some of those things we're not going to tear everything down to the studs and and rebuild it because we don't need that but we understand that that offense was unacceptable this past season and in order to kind of reach the goals that we've set for ourselves and for our program uh, we need to to adjust things and and you've got the players it seems to do it you've got the recruiting going right now at a level that that seems like you're going to be able to do it uh with with keegan johnson uh arlen bruce um, we'll see what Brody Brett can do in, in his second year in the program. Uh, Laporta back. Really like Gavin Williams and what we saw of him and, and LaShawn Williams in the bowl game. So you feel pretty good about the running game. You think the offensive line is going to be a little more cohesive next season and and maybe give whoever is a quarterback a little bit more time to, to let some of those things develop. But there just there needs to be again I don't expect a drastic change there does need to be acknowledgement uh, that they understand why the rest of us are upset about it um, the next season the, the schedule came out for uh, for Iowa football it, it was tweaked a little bit the Big Ten schedule and you know it's it's one of those things that I think having the bye week before the Ohio State game is probably good um, having Michigan at home right off the, the jump from, from a Big Ten perspective is, is interesting. Uh, you, you go to two Rutgers before that. but And then I think the, the real interesting thing, of five of the six um, Big Ten West games take place between Halloween and Thanksgiving, essentially. I think it's October 29th uh, through Black Friday. And so kind of regardless of what happens in those first few games, you expect to go 3-0 and in the non-conference. I don't think Iowa State's going to be the team that they were this year, and, and Iowa won that game handily. So you expect to go 3-0 and in the non-conference. You expect to go to Rutgers and win. You maybe drop a couple uh, to, to Michigan and Ohio State, but 
if you are in a position, it really doesn't matter what position you're in because you go into those final five games and that's the meat of the Big Ten West. And, uh, you know, our goal is to win the Big Ten West and get back to the Big Ten championship game and then uh, compete slash win that game. And so if that's where you're looking at things, that that's a nice, you know, Ferentz teams often hit their stride at about that time in the season, late October, early November. Um, so you like Iowa's chances to at least uh, control their own destiny when it comes to the Big Ten West next season, and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. We'll have a lot of time to talk about that uh, between now and the fall. Uh, Kirk Ferentz on Friday was announced that he has signed a contract extension through 2029. So that puts him, uh, well, first of all, that puts Iowa, if he finishes that contract, that puts Iowa with two head coaches and 50 one seasons, uh, which is remarkable, incredible. All of the all of the able words you can think of there, um, and you know, with the way Iowa has recruited lately, um, with the trend of this team kind of continuing to to go upward. Another 10-win season here, another appearance in the Big Ten Championship game. Even though things weren't perfect this season, it was a very good season. Um, so you feel good about about that, or at least you did. Um, until until the the, the Gazette story uh, this morning, and I I don't want to talk a whole lot about this because there's an extent to which I'm I'm out of my depth. I I have read the story in the Gazette. Uh, let me get you the headline there because the headline certainly jumps out at you. This is the headline from the the story in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. This uh, a story by Vanessa Miller and John Steppy. Kirk Ferentz abruptly dissolves Iowa Football Diversity Advisory Committee contentious meeting with volunteers preceded the move um so this is a committee that was put together in the summer of 2020 when all the racial allegations um were were put out there by former players the acknowledgement by the program that there were issues uh lawsuits and investigations and the firing of coach doyle and you know questioning of, of brian ferentz and kirk ferentz's leadership and the iowa way and all of these things we don't need to rehash all of this but this committee was put together to kind of help advise iowa through this and i said a lot of times uh, at the time and I, I continue to say this that uh, while it feels like a change has been made and, and by all accounts, you know, within the program, things are different and things feel different. And we've seen some of that. You know, we can actually see some of that with the, the you know, these players feeling more uh, able to express themselves uh, individually um, on social media, kneeling for the national anthem, whatever that may be. Uh, they've clearly made some some big changes in that program. And I think they've headed things in the correct direction. But a big part of this is now keeping everybody's feet to the fire and not letting this go away, not letting it fade into the background and making sure uh, that these guys are held accountable to continue these changes. These are big changes. They don't happen overnight. These are culture changes. These are thought changes, the, the way that we even perceive kind of uh, racial inequities in this country and within these programs and, and within our own lives. These are hard conversations to have. They are hard realizations to have. You have to... Um, Look at yourself and and the way that you live your life and think about things and, and with with a really intense lens and uh, you know not not get defensive about it and not feel like um, you know just because you acknowledge some of these things doesn't mean you're saying you're a bad person anyway these are big hard conversations to have and the most important thing is that you continue to have them that you continue to evolve this isn't going to be overnight it's not going to be over 18 months i think we've seen the culture of this football program is in a very good place and i think part of 
part of us seeing that is how many guys are coming back and want to play again, right? And, and how few guys are transferring out of the program and how few um, of these stories we've heard over the last 18 months. And just the, you know, Kayvon Merriweather and other guys saying, yeah, things have changed and it does feel different and, and they are taking it seriously. And that's all great. Uh, I've been very proud of the way Kirk Ferentz has handled uh, some of this stuff since those initial allegations. But this is a bad look. This is a bad look. And there's some he said, he said, and there's some uh, some nuance here and, and in things that that need to be talked about and addressed. I've seen Jordan Lomax tweeting about this today. Um, I, I, the, the register story that Kennington Smith put together said that Lomax you know, refused or declined um, and. Uh, an interview request, but I'm sure we'll hear more from Jordan Lomax, who kind of says that, hey, David Porter feels this way and felt this way, and, and the Gazette story really revolves around David Porter's thoughts and feelings about this, um, but but not everybody on that committee felt that way, and, and so to take David Porter's word as though uh, it is how we all felt on this committee is, is not correct. Um, so there's more to this, there's more to be found out, but the, it is a bad look, and you understand why national writers you understand why ferents detractors you understand why skeptics uh, are jumping on especially that headline and and just the the kind of facts of the case i mean kirk ferents dissolved this committee this committee was set aside to help bring this program into the future when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equality and they dissolved that committee that's a bad look. This is an important committee, and committees like this are needed in this program and probably needed in every program and probably needed in just about every facet of our society at this point. And to dissolve that, um, and especially to have it happen you know, on the heels, or I, I don't have the timeline exactly down in my head, but um, when David Porter, who's the chair of that committee, recommended uh, that Ferentz retire, that Gary Barter retire, and really the only way forward is for neither of those guys to be in leadership positions. Uh, now, that's not his role. That's not his job. These uh, we've, we've had these conversations already, and so there's some of that too, and, and you can understand why if the guy heading the committee wants you fired, you would say, well, maybe, maybe this isn't a committee that we need right now. Um, I, I don't know David Porter, um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that I will find a way because Kirk Ferentz did say they, they decided to uh, evolve this committee and uh, kind of change it up. And so they dissolved it, hoping to, I guess, reform it and, and, you know, change things a little bit, but they need to have something like this. And, and uh, us as, you know, media members and fans and reporters need to keep their foot to the fire feet to the fire on on these things because we can't just let it uh it it it, they haven't done enough it's not over it hasn't been solved it hasn't been resolved probably resolved completely and so you just it needs to be a thing that uh is a constant in this program are we doing enough have we done enough? What are we doing? Um, the fact that coaches, I mean, I guess the, the allegation that coaches came to a meeting, you know, unprepared for this sort of a thing uh, is disappointing and um, embarrassing. Uh, they These are hard conversations. They're not fun conversations. A lot of these meetings probably are contentious, as they reported in the Gazette that, that there was a you know particularly contentious meeting in October, I, I believe during the bye week. But 
they're important and these things are important. And the only way uh, forward is to continue to deal with this and not deal with it like let other people do, you know, deal with it yourself. If you're if you're Kirk Ferentz, this is an important change for you to make. And even if you feel like you've made big changes, and I think he has, even if, even if you feel like you've changed the way you think and feel about a lot of, a lot of this stuff, um, it's important to continue that. Uh, you need to continue to grow and evolve and learn. Um, and, and so hopefully that's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm going to continue as I seem to always do to give Kirk Ferentz the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, I, I want to learn more about this story. I want more reporters to, to tackle this story. Um, I want to hear Kirk Ferentz talk about it. I want to hear Jordan Lomax and David Porter and anybody else who was on that committee talk about it as well. I, I continue to want to hear from current and former players, uh, specifically current players, right? But uh, or just you know out of the program players because those are probably the guys you're going to get the most honesty from. Um, but this is not a this is not over, and it wasn't over. It, you can't just let. Well, now it's football, and so so that other stuff has to take a back seat. Like no, this this has to be on the forefront in that program for everybody for years and years to come. And so uh, it's certainly a bad look. I get why people are jumping on it. Uh, I get why Iowa fans are defensive of it because you read the story and it's a little more nuanced than the headline makes it out to be. You start to see other guys come out and talk and it, you know, it becomes convoluted very quickly. And so I don't want to make any rash judgments or, or any overall statements uh, that I can't take back, but um, I'm disappointed in uh the disillusion, the dis—I don't know the word dissolve. <laughs> disillusion is that right? Anyway, I'm disappointed that this committee uh, has been dissolved, and I'm hopeful that uh, a new one will be reformed very quickly uh, with the, this kind of same goals in, in mind. Because again, this is—I I feel as an Iowa fan, I don't know how you feel. I'm sure some of you are rolling your eyes or turned this thing off—you know—six minutes ago because uh, you feel like I'm preaching at you about race. I promise I'm not trying to do that. I feel it's important as an Iowa fan for for me to continue my fandom, for me to continue my pride of wearing this Tiger Hawk on my chest every day um i i feel like this is a very important thing and i, I hope that uh, kirk ferentz does i hope that gary bard does i hope brian ferentz does and i hope that uh the players and everybody else involved do as well because this is an important thing um we, this isn't just football anymore right like th these are these are real real serious big issues that we need to tackle and continue to tackle and not be afraid to tackle that's about all i got to say about that uh as i said i plan to do more post game reactions for um for basketball games i'll try to get into more of a, a routine as far as doing just some regular podcasts as well bringing on guys like rick brown and john bonencamp trent condon uh doing all of that stuff speaking of trent you can check out his degenerate hawkeyes podcast each week right here on hawkeye nation speaking of rob and john and rick you can check out those guys at hawkeye they've got everything covered it's uh, still the best place to get your hawkeye coverage i appreciate you listening and go Hawks.